I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. And today, across the table, I have fellow marketeers, Preston Lentford and Matt Ritchie. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. You bet. Glad to be here again. So, it wasn't that long ago we had a podcast about the grand old man of cartridges, one thirty six that you may have heard of. Which, some commenters wanted to let us know that Yes, it is an older cartridge, but there are cartridges that supersede it in age that are still valid today. 6.5 Swede, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We'll get to those, but here in America, yeah, the 30-06 is the granddad of them all. I, I really My think opinion. it is. You know, you've got uh, one, what we'll mention here probably shortly, you got the 300 H&H, which, you know, was a parent of a lot of awesome cartridges, but man, 30-06, it really owned things for a long time and it's subsequent you know necking up and down as did the 308 winchester with its subsequent necking up and down um so there's really those three parent cartridges that spawned a lot of awesomeness in the world of shooters um the 30-06 i mean from a military aspect that has such a uh, important role in that realm and people and shooters collect it for that and then on the sporting side for even some mat shooting, there's some military sniper application uh, early on. But for the hunter, for the big game hunter, the 30-06, from its design until present day and into the future, is really a staple. And in talking about the 30-06, we need to talk just like we did with the 308. Talked about the 308, and then we kind of looked at some of the children, the 708, the 243. Well, there's no cartridge maybe more controversial Besides possibly the 6.5 Creedmoor than the 270 Winchester. Yeah, but not controversial anymore, you might say. But back in its day, you bet. You bet. There was plenty of controversy. And uh, I feel like, having not been back there, that much of the controversy was probably very much like the 6.5 Creedmoor, which is it's very capable. Everybody's shooting it. And because it's mainstream, there's going to be people that just don't like that. And what's comical about that is that's the same thing as the Creedmoor now. Yeah. Yep. We've come full circle. We've come, it's, a, it's a circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go around that circle too many times, let's rewind the clocks a little bit to get back to the beginning of the 270 Winchester. And admittedly, around the table, um, Preston has probably the most firsthand experience with the 270. Matt, did you shoot it all growing up? Um, not really shot it much growing up. Plenty of guys I was around that had, you know, the, the Remington pump action 270s. Uncle's got one that he was, when he drew his Nebraska bull tag this year, that's his one he reached for so out of the gun gun cabinet. So definitely helped him get it ready and, and yeah, everything like that. Hand loads for it. Yep. So. Okay. Well, and but. growing up, my father never shot a 270. Grandfather didn't shoot a 270. I'm sure I had some uncles, which I had quite a few of. Uh, I don't I'm sure some of them shot the 270, but as far as me and mine, um, I don't really remember it early on. And then as I got a little bit older, get into high school and, you know, you're talking about hunting with your friends and whatever there was, you know, that was kind of the quintessential prairie sniper cartridge of the time where, you know, they, they ran the hundred grainers or the 110 grainers for coyotes, run those one thirties for deer. Um, and that was just kind of, like I said, kind of the, the ultimate prairie sniper cartridge. But again, I never really shot it much. Till I started my professional career, but Preston, you have firsthand experience with it. 
Yeah, yeah, and and I think I've told this story seven times on the podcast at this point. But you don't need to tell the whole thing. But first rifle, white-tailed deer, the book. I probably read that thing front to back a hundred times growing up as a kid. But in there, that finally got to equipment and in a on a ballistics chart. Uh, to me, looking at drop. The only thing that really beat the 270 was the 22250, and and I was looking for a deer cartridge. I'm not saying the 22250 with proper bullet can't do it, but I wanted that assurance. Yep. Maybe I'll go elk hunting one day as I grow up, you know, whatever have you. But the 270, flattest at that time. Therefore, in my opinion, the best. The best. Option. <laughs> awesome. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of people that shared that opinion, and again, sure. so now to go all the way back, how far do we have to go back to get ahead of? the 270 Winchester, and what was popular at the time for sporting cartridges? It, to get ahead of it, I mean, we're talking the 30-06 and the 250-3000 Savage. Yeah. That's about yeah. it. You know, obviously, as people have pointed out, there was the 6.5 Swede, the 7 Mauser, so yeah, on and so forth. Yeah, 7 30-40 <clears throat> Craig was probably, you know, with all of its military use, ending around turn of the century, I'm sure that was a pretty viable cartridge at the time. Yeah. But that being said, not that far along after the 3006 uh, was become popular and was the mainstay here in America, 1923, uh, Winchester developed the 270 Winchester, released it in 1925. So it's been around a long it's time. It's been around a while. And Matt, you said you've, you've seen some things uh, that would indicate that maybe somebody was playing around with the 277 version of the 3003, which would have slightly predated the 30-06. Yeah, all my studying there on the old interwebs was that was kind of the parent cartridge for it. And yeah, the other note that I thought was pretty interesting was it was one of the first commercially available cartridges that could propel a bullet over 3,000 feet per second, around that 3,000 feet mm. per second, you know, yeah. so. Which is screaming. At the time it was screaming. 1900, it, yeah. It's still screaming. I yep. mean, that's still really fast and it was a small handful like you'd mentioned Preston the 253,000 probably not the best big game cartridge um the 30-06 significantly slower and then you mentioned this was released in 1925 so was the 300H&H mag yep. which could definitely propel some bullets north of 3 grand and so those were really your two options for that really high velocity flat shooting uh for big game at the time and that's 1925 and they released it Winchester also released a rifle with that cartridge, the Model 54, which was a classic, you know, Mauser-style action. Um, notoriously horrible triggers from what I'm told. I've not fired <laughs> any, but I've heard that they had a two-stage trigger that was quite simply atrocious, which, you know, that 54 action led to the Model 70, and they kind of refined that trigger group there. We're going to have to find a 54 now. I have to. I have, I have to. Know. Feel you that probably got one downstairs. <laughs> I have might, not. We might. I've not shot one. So you've got uh, 1925. You've got the release date. What kind of ammo bullet offerings are you looking at right out of the gate? Initially, it's just 130 grain bullet. Um, 3,140 feet per second. And then they backed it down later on. They maybe. I don't know. Speculation. They aimed a little high and yeah. then brought it back down to 3,060 feet per second. Okay, which now, is still... Sammy Spec, this is a 65,000 PSI cartridge, so it, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. and right. Sammy wasn't established until 1926, and so maybe, I don't know this, this would be total speculation, but uh, maybe those Sammy standards, 
you know, in 1926, as they're starting to solidify these things. A little bit more rigorous testing. Yeah. Maybe had to rein them in a little bit. (laughs) 3150s looking pretty steep. Uh, So 130, going back to 1925 to present day, everybody you know that shoots a 270, they're shooting a 130 grain bullet. For the most part. You know, that's kind of, if you don't, if you have a combination 270 and 130 grain bullet and it's not working, it's because the gun's broken because that combination always works. Yep. Now, there are a lot of other offerings. Later on, there were some lighter weight offerings. There were some heavier weight offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, just to boost its big game capabilities, right? So we had 150 grain option. There were some 110 grain options for varmints, mm-hmm. um, things like that, which is always kind of comical to me because, uh, I don't know, maybe in today's age, we're just spoiled and we have options, but... I don't know. I'm not taking my 270 coyote hunting, although it has killed its fair share of coyotes. Oh, I would hmm. think, you know, I've mentioned that the beginning kind of facetiously talking about the prairie sniper cartridge. There's been a lot of coyotes out in the prairie killed while you're hunting deer yeah, or antelope or whatever. Um, we've all done it. Oh yeah. yeah every hunt's a coyote hunt once <laughs> you see one. 130 grain spire point has killed quite a few with yeah. mine. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great combination. And that 130 grain bullet, super capable for the hefty majority of what people are hunting in America, which is mainly whitetail and mule deer and antelope. You get into the elk, that 130 is probably a little little on the softer side perhaps, but then you have that 150, which came out shortly after the 130. Um, you know, we always think of spire-shaped bullets that have a steep ogive, but that 150, very likely some of the initial offerings would have been round nose bullets mm-hmm. uh, for shorter range shooting, but bigger you know higher sectional density deeper penetration just a little more authority on game something like an elk yeah absolutely and those 100 grain bullets had to be doing wicked fast yeah maybe not as fast as some of the cartridges that came later on but mm-hmm. certainly fast yeah, yeah 100 grain bullet little hollow point screaming out of a 270 um i know one particular old gentleman as do you old marv briegel uh he that is his cartridge that's this the cartridge didn't matter what he was hunting or shooting. He took the 270 and on his property today at 83 years old, he's got a 270 in the cab of the truck in case he sees a coyote. Yeah. And at conventional distances, let's say, let's say 300 and in, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's a lot of people out there not taking a shot longer than 300 on game, but I've seen his magazine and not to talk too much about this, but I've seen his magazine and there's a spire point and there's a polymer tip and there's a spire point. And there's, a, there's a hodgepodge of ammunition in there. Probably will do fine, you know, if you just see something that needs to pull up and shoot. But yeah. Uh, thought that was kind of funny. That is actually really funny. But and if you knew the guy, it would make sense. Find the latest shirts, hats, hoodies, and accessories that you see here on the podcast and much more at HornadyGear.com. Um, so going back to the, the 270 as its initial offerings, um, you got it coming out of the gate at 1925. You've got the .30-06, which has become the American standard as a military cartridge, and the majority of people just sporterizing .30-06 rifles, shooting a .30-06. So yeah, there's no there's no better way to ensure a cartridge's success than having it be adopted by the military. 100%. Right? And the 30 yeah. six is is that one. So, pre-World War II, the 270 didn't get a whole lot of look or or success right out of the gate. Uh but evidently they stuck with it and post-World War II is kind of where you see 
people starting to recognize that it's got a little bit less recoil than the 30-06. It's flatter than the 30-06. Um, scopes weren't hugely popular they, I then, think that but is, they were starting. Yeah, to, the way I understand you know. it, mm-hmm. the telescopic sight was really kind of what accelerated the 270 in that post-World War II time frame. You could you know zero that thing in a couple, two, three inches high at 100, and I guess... You know, with the telescopic sight and zeroing rifles that way, you're kind of entering the phase of max point blank range. Yep, and that and that's that's a big deal out of a 270 specifically. Um, there's a lot of people that'll look at a trajectory table and say, "Oh, well, the 270 wins big time." You know, look at the 500 yard drop. Okay, we're looking past that a lot of times. Now, mm-hmm. I, we don't take long shots between us often right rarely ever right but we practice it a lot but when you have a cartridge like the 270 it's got a lighter weight bullet that's not quite as ballistically efficient as some of the more modern cartridges say 6.5 creedmoor 6.5 prc 7 prc something like that within a few hundred yards it stacks up fantastically which leads it to be able to have an awesome max point blank range and for folks that don't understand yeah if you zero your gun, let's say you have a seven inch vital zone. If you zero it, say three or three and a half inches high at a hundred, and then all the way to where that arc of that bullet maybe hits three or three and a half inches low, that's your max point blank range. So you zero it for in between there, and then you're holding hair out to that max point blank yeah. range, which is you know probably out to 300, 350 yards in some cases. Yeah. The other thing I wonder is like maybe what brought up the popularity obviously is the lower recoil telescopic sights. Which is, sites, which is subjective because I want to talk about that yeah. a little bit. I've shot a few friends' guns. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but what about maybe guys hunting for their food to put food on the table? They wanted something that didn't damage as much meat. So. Which, well, knowing what we know now might be a little bit the opposite of the way it should be because a slower bullet will expand a little less rapidly whereas the 270 going faster probably expanded a little bit more rapidly and maybe causes a little bit more meat damage but it's all subjective they're all live animals well regardless of how it went down the 270 you know really quickly post-world war ii gained some popularity whether that was the flatter shooting um the ability the availability, excuse me, of telescopic sights so you could extend your range compared to the 30 6 because you simply were holding less wind, less bullet drop, still hitting what you're aiming at. Um, and for the, again, the hefty majority of hunting that was going on, like you mentioned, Matt, a lot of meat hunting going on. I don't know if trophy hunting was even a thing. You know, I, I think everybody was trying to shoot, not everybody. Yeah, people were mm-hmm. trying to shoot the older deer that they could. But um, regardless, it definitely went on a very vertical climb for a while and i would be remiss if we didn't talk about a little bit of townsend whalen but a lot of it a jack o'connor because many attribute the success of the 270 to the writings of jack o'connor and that's a lot to be said about an individual writer for those that are listening i'm sure you've heard of jack o'connor if you haven't he was the shooting editor for outdoor life for north of 30 years um, a passionate hunter and shooter his whole life. He was a professor uh, for a while until he quit doing that to focus solely on writing and the articles and the magazines and the books that he published. Um, just obviously world-renowned and a huge proponent of 
anything with the 30-06, but specifically he did enjoy that 270, and he hunted all over the world. Um, you know, he had two North American slams before that was a thing uh, for sheep. Uh, so as a mountain rifle, hunting sheep, uh, he really turned to the 270. It was fast. It was flat. Cut the barrel back to 22 inches um, and wrote a lot of darling things about the 270 that coupled with the merits of the 270, the flat shooting, the wind drift, um, the lighter recoil, the telescopic sights, it kind of just culminated to where it got a huge following. Yeah. And folks, after, if you've never heard of him, if you're, if you're my age or younger, you know, obviously you weren't around when those magazines were coming out and you're not reading those articles, totally different time than right now. Mm -hmm. Right. If you want to know something, you get on your telephone, a square or a rectangle in your pocket, and you Google it, yep. right? Get on the Google machine. Ask Siri, like yeah. what, whatever have you. It's right at your fingertips. Back in those days, you were looking at magazines, you were reading articles, you were talking to the guy at the general store that sold guns. You know, that's what you were doing to get your information. So he's very influential uh, in the 270. He, he also was a fan of other cartridges too. Absolutely. But- a big proponent of the 270. Um, yeah. One might go as far to say as, as it'll take anything in North America. Obviously you throw the grizzly bear in there that, that throws perhaps a little bit of a wrench in there, but our friend Tyler Friel yeah. has taken a grizzly bear with a six, six five Creedmoor. So, right. So, but that's a good point, you know, and, and he was, a fan of other cartridges like the 30 out six. Um, and the 270 has been used to take brown bear and grizzly bear. And, you know, uh, Jack O'Connor himself used it on critters as big as moose. Um, and like I said, he was bitten by the sheep hunting bug. And so he found it an ideal cartridge for that, but he used it on moose and elk and deer and mule deer and gosh, you know, uh, antelope. Yeah. prairie dogs whatever coyotes yeah. Yeah. yeah he was a huge proponent and then obviously we talked about uh towns and wayland uh colonel towns and wayland as it was now uh mr wayland colonel wayland uh the lead officer at the frankfurt arsenal so he had uh one of his guys there to uh help him neck up and down cartridges so he used the 30 six working for the government he probably had a few 30 six cartridges <laughs> laying around so Everybody's probably heard of the 35 Whalen, but he also did a 25 Whalen and a few others. Um, and he was a fan of the 270 Winchester as well and used it for many things, wrote about it, used it on many hunts. Um, and so you've got pretty high level influential people singing the praises of the 270 at a time where, again, there were fewer resources to get your information from. And that just helped drive the popularity of the 270 from, you know, pre-World War II where it was kind of a, yeah, it's a thing, to now post-World War II, it has almost, from the way I understand, having not been there, it became kind of the go-to cartridge of the 50s and 60s and yep. in, in, into present day. So yeah, there's a lot of cool uh, options out there in the marketplace right now as far as rifles go. Um, lever guns, pump actions, bolt actions, you name it. If, it, if there's a rifle platform, it's been, I, I bet there's 270 double rifles. I mean, it's yep. so easy. It's a 3.340 length cartridge with the standard bolt head. 
just like a 30 out six everybody can make one of those mm-hmm. right and kind of interestingly enough browning started to do some faster twist uh rifles to get some of those heavier bullet weights options right uh, out there ways which i don't know i might get some hate for this might get some hate in the comments which is kind of like putting lipstick on a pig if you ask me <laughs> yeah right it's great cartridge at conventional ranges the 270 but knowing what we know now i'm not sure that it would be designed the way that it was sure right it was you know and and browning putting that faster twist in there it just allows the bullet manufacturers to make more high performance bullets that require faster twist rate and then for those people that are diehard 270 fans but want to extend the range with a with a hand load and a new bullet you got the option the option is there power and performance in the palm of your hand Hornady Handgun Hunter Ammunition. Built around the tough copper alloy monoflex handgun bullet that features a proprietary elastomer tip, deep penetration, and high weight retention. Handgun Hunter Ammunition. As rough and rugged as the conditions and game demand. And so we've talked about all the great stuff for the 270 up until, you know, in the 60s and 70s, it was the go to cartridge. uh, And it still is one of the go to cartridges currently let's talk about factory ammo options because we've got the gamut really yeah so we go all the way from 130 grains up to 145 grains um the list used to be a little bit wider but you know uh demand causes what we make right so mm-hmm. um but bullet options is kind of interesting because we've got 130 grain cx option which you know wasn't there way back when right and that for me takes this cartridge from a let's say a medium or large game bullet into a, a big, big game yeah, elk yes absolutely yeah in fact i i loaded up some 130 grain at the time gmx bullets for a friend that was drew's nebraska elk tag he said man i loaded them up both 130 grain gmx now cx and 145 grain eldx bullets and he said man the way those gmx bullets hit the target with so much more authority that's what he ended up using and taking his once-in-a-lifetime Nebraska bull elk with. Um, that really takes it to the next level. Yeah, the bullet technology. Absolutely. So, you know, 95 to 100% weight retention on a, on a CX bullet. Um, really, really deep penetration. It's going to take two blocks to stop that thing. Two blocks two of ballistic gel. gel. Yeah. Matt, when your uncle went on that elk hunt, what bullet was he shooting? He he chose for the uh, 145 LDXs. So yep. he he didn't we offer a 140 SST at one point in time? At one point in time. Yep. So he he had some of those, but the 145 just shot better. Sure. So yeah. Well, and, and he's a very proficient long range yeah. shooter. You yep. know, he participates in F class and things like yep. that. So I can understand him wanting the higher ballistic coefficient bullet that yep. maybe can reach out there a little bit further, expand at a lower velocity. Yep. And absolutely. As a hand loader, at present day, I mean, you can do anything you want in the 270. We mentioned 100 grain bullets, 110 grain bullets. Yep. You know, we got V Max bullets, uh, and then again, you can go all the way up to in Hornady 150 grain bullets. Um, some other manufacturers out there, I mean, they're getting big 165, 170 grain bullets and in that the 277 must diameter. Look like a piece of spaghetti, it really must. <laughs> yeah, big, big <laughs> bullets. Yeah, and so for the modern hunter. If you want a piece of history and some nostalgia, there is nothing wrong with the 270 Winchester 
incredibly capable. You can use it for almost anything. Uh, you know, I don't think it's quite the from mice to elephant type of cartridge that uh, maybe Jack O'Connor portrayed it as, but it is extremely capable, but it did not come without its share of controversy. Yeah, and I guess you can't probably bring up controversy without talking about the 6.5 Creedmoor. And people might get mad at me for bringing it up, but the 270, at its rise of popularity, was like the 6.5 Creedmoor now. Mm -hmm. People loved to hate it, right? There's people that said it didn't have enough horsepower. Uh, Let me see if I can find the quote here. In an article, O'Connor wrote, when anyone assures me that the 270 isn't even a good mule deer rifle and that 270 bullets bounce off an elk, I cannot help but wonder how much game he's shot with 270 rifles, what kind, and where. Yeah. So the same exact things that you hear now with new in- cartridge introductions that I assume didn't happen back in the day yep. were happening. Yep. Well, and I've we've heard it all, and I've heard the exact same statement for the cartridges, the 270 and the 6.5 Creedmoor. Oh. Good vet'll stitch a stitch a Creedmoor wound up. <laughs> yeah, you shoot mule deer with a with a two seventy. You take him to a vet quick. You patch him up. Uh, mm. And no shortage of controversy. And Jack O'Connor actually, how did he do that? He kind of uh, he received it and like and made it official. He wrote about it. He wrote about the controversy. Yep. He didn't shy away from it. He even had an article specifically about it. The controversial two seventy. You that could, is exactly where that quote comes from. Yeah, you can name, you can type that article name in to a search bar. The Controversial 270 by Jack O'Connor wrote that for Outdoor Life. And like you'd mentioned, our friend Tyler Friel, Tyler, who is an editor at Outdoor Life currently, he recently wrote an article that said, uh, what was the name of that one? Where it was, uh, the 270 Winchester was your grandpa's 6.5 Creedmoor. Talking about the controversy, your grandpa experienced the controversy of the 270, just like we are experiencing that with the Creedmoor now. And it's actually comical to see how similar, like the vernacular is the exact same. It's just plug and play 6.5 to 270. Yep. And I, uh, I didn't think that that was happening way back when, you know, because the options were fewer, mm-hmm. right? But I guess if you had a rifle chambered in something and somebody else was talking about another thing maybe you felt a little bit of pride and yeah i wanted to argue a little bit i don't know i really looking at it i don't have anything horribly negative to say you've got an appreciable bullet weight appreciable bullet diameter going appreciable velocity if you can hit what you're aiming at with it it's probably a recipe for success yeah and i might get some hate for this too and i i don't want to talk over anybody or talk too much but my gosh I'm a six foot four, three hundred pound former athlete. Certainly not current, although I do play hockey sometimes. <laughs> uh, former athlete, and I've shot a host of two seventy rifles. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, that buddy wanted me to hand load him some for his his rifle. Uh, I've had another buddy wanted me to do the same thing. Yes, it was a Ruger M seventy seven all weather light. You know, literally the the, the stock is in the shape of a boat paddle, yep, right? But what, yeah. light as can be, right? A light rifle and 270 kicks like a mule, in ah. my opinion. Now, when you were getting ready for that hunt with the woodstock and had like the metal butt plate. That's terrible. I shot that. Nope, we're done. We're done here. But you know what? If that same gun was chambered in 30-06, I would have hated it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know? the, the sub, yeah, the, the recoil is a subjective thing. And it, it absolutely is. It certainly packs a punch. 
the gun I had growing up was a Remington Model 710. Mm-hmm. It was the cheapest thing you could get at the time. Um, I got it because it had a detachable box magazine. I didn't know that the Remington 700 was kind of the standard of actions yeah. at the time. I didn't know nothing. So that thing was kind of heavier, and I handled it pretty okay. Yeah. You know, I was well, shooting kid, standing you know, is probably a little different, too. Yeah, or leaned up against a tree yeah. rather than shooting prone. Le- off yeah, proned out with a straight wrist stock just eating that metal butt plate in your collarbone the whole thing is is your shoulder yeah i was bruised after we shot that <laughs> i remember that yeah so they do have some kick that and that's kind of why i think it's hilarious that the six five creedmoor gets thrown into this is because both of them love to get hated at their time the same exact people that are saying the 270 does what the six five creedmoor does sure out to 500 yards, it absolutely does, but the 6.5 Creedmoor kicks a hell of a lot less. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah and then, they, you know, just the what little research research I did was the highlight for the 270 was primarily it's a hunting cartridge. You never saw it in a match application. No. So mm. the 6.5 Creedmoor, the other 6.5s and maybe some 30 cows, that's where they were maybe probably a little more popular than the 270 was the fact that they had other applications in the match world so that always that was a little interesting to me that it was so almost solely a hunting cartridge yeah i can't think of one instance where i've seen anybody play with the 270 in a match not one no no i haven't either and i have to think you know there were match bullets available for a while uh and that might have just been popularity people just wanted to see what they could do with their rifle um you know we don't offer any match projectiles now i'm not sure who else in the bullet manufacturing space does probably not many if any yeah Um, and and what we've learned from cartridge design over the past 20 years you know the the two 270 has a 278.3 free bore with one of those really 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 shallow angles down to 277 and that just if we were to to design it today you you wouldn't see that so Maybe not the most accurate cartridge out there, but at conventional ranges, it is certainly men of the deer. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And it's been the it's been the standard for such a long time. It's cool to see it uh, today. And you know, we're recording this in 2023. That it's still the only real success in .277. And when you look at other cartridges that that are that that bullet diameter. Um, 270 Winchester Short Mag, 68 Western, 27 Nosler, 270 Weatherby Mag. I mean, you've got some other cartridges that do have their niche. You know, they're they're in a spot, and people probably like those at some level. But as far as grand scale goes, the 270 Winchester is really the only one in that bullet diameter that's, in my opinion, stood the test of time and is still popular today. Uh, that's not just only popular in a small niche area. In my opinion, the Hornady Trek Light Lockbox XXL, constructed of an advanced impact resistant polycarbonate featuring dual four digit TSA locks. The Trek Light Lockbox offers heavy duty protection at a third of the weight of steel. The included 1500 pound rated security cable with patented cable connector maximizes cargo space for up to two full sized handguns. The Trek Light Lockbox XXL from Hornady Security. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about all the bullet diameters out there. The 270 is, let me do quick math, 
seven thousandths away from a seven millimeter bullet. Mm-hmm. You know that that's wild. How close those things actually are. Yeah. Why there might even be a need for two seventy seven bullet. Yeah, or a seven millimeter bullet. Well, a seven beat it to the punch. Obviously, that's why. Yeah. The, uh, it is wild to think how you know just that the small nuance and. I don't know. I wish I could have been around to live through the controversy just to give it, you know, just to, just to look through that lens to see it. Is it exactly what's going on now at the Creedmoor? Uh, and is any of it justified? And I have to think not, you know, when you look at the performance on paper, you look at the ballistics, you use it in the field. Again, you can almost kill anything with anything. And if you've got a good bullet going a good velocity, bullet construction, you know, technology where it is today, there's really nothing you can't take with the 270. Uh, there's some things you shouldn't take with the 270, but um, gosh, it really fills so many gaps. Yeah, and and like you said, you can kill almost anything with anything. And people were shooting stuff with bows before they were shooting stuff with rifles. Was that a big controversy? I don't know. Who knows? One thing I'd I'd like to say is what I remember, and since we were all in tech, you know, we're helping our customers. Is I don't know that I ever took a call with an issue on 270 Winchester. It's just one of those cartridges that no matter what platform is being shot in, what bullet, it just always worked. Yeah. yeah. And that that's crazy to think about. All the emails and phone calls collectively that we've taken over the years. Yeah. Like, that's wild to think about. I, I don't recall any myself. Yeah. Maybe asking questions about bullet choice you yeah. know, for a hand loader, right. but... As far uh, as ammunition issues, I I don't recall it. It's likely that the three of us around the table have handled north of a hundred thousand phone calls for Hornady in our technical service days. Did you do the math? Yeah. Well, I know <laughs> I answered over thirty. He was in tech longer than me, so he's. I was yeah, there easily, five years. Yeah. yeah, easily. You know, and my five 40 years, or 50, I did thirty thousand. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah. and it's it's neat. The like you mentioned, Matt, that the two seventy doesn't stand out as one of those like. As soon as somebody calls and they say the 270, you go, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, no. no, it really was yeah. one of those cartridges that whether it was factory ammo or hand loading or whatever, that generally they, that was one of those cartridges that we just didn't have a lot of calls on. Yep. And yep. I don't know the cause of that, but it could be the fact that it had been around so long and any of, any of the potential problems have already been flushed out. And that's leads right into another thing that kind of helps its popularity, I'm assuming is it's been around so long that it's been literally around the world for a considerable amount of time. And, you know, that's something that people consider when they're selecting cartridges to go hunt abroad. Sure. Yeah. You can yeah. find it in Europe. You can find it in Africa. You can find it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's right. And, you know, in the international use, although you can get it most places around the world, it's really useful in all places around the world. You know, you look at most of the African Plains game, it's kind of a perfect fit there. You know, anything you're really going to hunt in Europe and almost anywhere else, uh, it, it just fits just like it does here in America. It just simply fits. It's effective. It's fast. It's flat. It's, I'm going to say moderate recoiling, although that's debatable. Subjective. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's, in, you know, if you could sum it up in, in one word, it would just be capable. It's, it's capable. Um, and with the right bullet, and with the right hunter in the right shot location, it is, you know, extremely capable. Yep, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, coming around the table to talk about the 270. You know, 
we love to design new cartridges. We love to play. We love to tinker. We love to wildcat. It's what we do here. We innovate things. And, you know, years ago, there were people doing the same thing. And one of those things was the 270 Winchester. And although we've got our PRCs, we've got the Creedmoors and the Arcs and all these new modern cartridges, there's still nothing wrong with the classic 270 Winchester. And although it had its controversy early on, and there's still controversy that I hear about today, um, you know, the reality is you can't make a good shot with the 270 and get it stitched up at a vet. I mean, it's just a good, capable cartridge. So with that, guys, the 270 Winchester, do you have anything more else to add about this venerable cartridge? I, I really don't. Just I tip my hat to it because I can think back through my all my years in tech and never having to take a phone call on it. That says a lot for a cartridge. <laughs> yeah. So and I'll just throw out there, like, I maybe have thrown some shade at it during this podcast. Remember, that was my first cartridge I ever had in the rifle. Mm-hmm. The thing has been around for almost a century. Mm-hmm. We're approaching a century, and it is still capable at moderate ranges and will get the job done. I just like advancements and improvements. Yeah, fair enough. Well, everybody, hopefully you enjoyed this discussion about the 270 Winchester and its near century of use in this country and all over the world. As always, please comment on this if you got anything to say, good, right, wrong. Otherwise, don't forget to like and subscribe. We'll catch you on the next one.